I'm thankful that, uh, that people would so let me have the opportunity to have the mic. Um, why? Because it means that people trust you. And so I'm, I'm thankful. Uh, I, I consider it an honor that, that, that the leaders of this house would give me an opportunity. Um, what I'm going to share with you is, first and foremost, you guys are all believers in this room, correct? And if you're not, we'll give you an opportunity later to become one. Uh, but in Mark 16, it talks about the signs of a believer. These things will accompany them that believe. And I'm going to tell you, uh, if, if you could have a deadly serpent uh, bite you and it would not harm you, and if you could drink a deadly poison and it couldn't affect you, let me tell you that uh, the coronavirus uh, is like no big deal. Uh, your Jesus is so much bigger than that. And like, I'm going to tell you right now, perfect love does cast out fear. Uh, and and I, I just don't even let any of that hype Turn off your television. Do not let the hype in. Uh, do not. First of all, anyhow, I don't want to go there, but, you know, we're talking, we're, we have, we're on a planet of 7 billion people. We have 3,000 people, and it's terrible, that have passed. Um, most are immunocompromised, uh, elderly. You know, I'm, if you are in that group, stay home, sure. But what I'm going to tell you is, is that this is, this is everywhere you turn right? And this is, a, this is the hype. You can't get away from this. Do, do you know, do you know that it's the U.S. government's own opinion that about 16 to 20,000 people this year will die of just the normal flu bug? And it's going to be those same groups. Like we're talking about 3,000 people that are, are, have passed out of 7 billion. The U.S. is about 330 million. You're talking about 16 to 20,000 this year, they're saying. Do you realize like what an insignificant thing this is? I mean, come on, just the facts of it, let alone your faith. If you pick up and drink deadly poison, it will not harm you. These are the signs that will follow those that believe. So just take your faith and just squash that. Squash it. That has nothing to do with my message. Anybody, anybody happy to have a sunny day today? Isn't it gorgeous? We're, we're so thankful. The reason I'm sitting is because I'm going to try not to jump around up here. Because I have something that's birthed within me that I'm really excited about. Um, so, you know, we had 80 days of, like, dark sky, no sun, mostly rain. And during that period of time, I was at home. Uh, I was up early in the morning. It was dark out. And uh, my normal routine is I'll get up and I'll try and carve out an hour for Jesus. If he died for me, that's probably the least that I can do for him. And so I'm up, and you know, we've had all this cruddy weather, and then all of a sudden, it was the craziest thing, because it was like the scar skies were so black, so dark, it, you know, like when the sun, like, it's the middle of the day, but it's still that dark, because like, you never saw the sun, that's the hard part about Northwest, January, February, March, plan a vacation for yourself, you need to do that. Um, but, so it's super dark, and all of a sudden... This, I can tell the sun should be coming up, even though it's struggling. And there's, in front of me, we live on it. Most of you have been here. You've been to my house. We've played pickleball. Uh, David, I love your announcements. We need to have you do that more often. Um, but you guys have come over. We have barbecues. We play. Um, and so we live on top of a hill. And where we live, we get to see kind of all around. And, and the beauty of being on a hill and seeing all around is that it gives you a little different perspective sometimes. 
And so all of a sudden, the sky is super dark, like blackish almost, as it's going from the sun trying to come up, but it's not really. And then all of a sudden, there's this like wormhole of light. Do you have the slide for... There should be a slide that's showing up right now. There you go. This doesn't do it justice. But there's this wormhole of light that's coming through in a sky that's like crazy dark. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm, I have my Bible in front of me, I'm praying. All of a sudden, like I realize, oh, this is this, there's something to this. Uh, so I said to my wife, I'm like, you got to come. She was up over doing, you know, she's got her Bible out. She's up doing her thing. And she, I get her to come in and she comes in and she's like, that's really cool. Because literally, so there's this like, it's black, dark, there's this completely open hole and it's not very big. It looks like it's a vertical tube and right up above it, you can see everything on the other side of it. And it's like completely blue skies. It's the weirdest thing you ever saw. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, this is prophetic. Um, this is how the believer is to function. So there's a heavenly realm that you're seated in, and then we function down here on an earthly realm. And so how do you get revelation? How do you get vision? How do you, how do you hear from the Lord? Well, it's through that portal of the Spirit of God speaking to you and Him showing you things that have yet come to pass, that, that haven't come to pass yet, and He's showing you stuff. And then what you do is you take from that, and then you're, you're this is the whole bivocational thing you've heard people preach on. And then you take that, uh, you have two locations, or not, did I say bivocational? Bilocational. So you have two locations. You're, you're seated in the heavenly realms. You're also down here. And so you take what you get from there, and then that's what allows for you to walk out your vision, your calling, your plan on planet Earth. And do you know that everybody right now who's seated in this room or standing, do you know that God has a call on your life? Do you know that? Many of you know what it is. Many of you are right in the middle of it and you're in the thick of it and it's good. Some of you are going through difficulty because uh, the devil wants to stop that plan. Um, and what I'm going to tell you is that every single person who has ever said yes to Jesus has a call on their life. And when you have a call, you know what it also means you have? Vision. Your call is what God, it's the thing he puts on you. The vision that he will give you is what allows for you to elevate up into how to accomplish the thing that he has for you. So, you all have a call on you, I guarantee it. If you don't know what it is, we're going to be praying for you later. But those of you who know what it is, maybe you've run into some obstacles and maybe you're a little off path on the call and you, you need to get back on the call again. But I'm going to assure you that every single person in this room, God has a call and he has a plan for your life. I guarantee it. Okay? If you're confused about that, just continue to pursue it. You're going to get it. Okay? Don't, and and do, not, do not talk about what you don't have, what you don't know, and what you can't do. Okay? That's not part of my message. But do not talk about what you don't have, what you, what you can't do, and what you think you can't accomplish. Do not talk about that. That is the opposite of faith. That's the devil. That's the enemy's realm. That's not the realm of how things happen in the kingdom. So... This vision's going on, I'm seeing this thing, and I'm getting a revelation that, hey, this is actually how 
the king, so we, we, we pray the Lord's Prayer. His kingdom come down here on earth as it is in heaven. How do you think his kingdom comes? Through you. Do you know he has chosen not to come down here, snap his fingers? He, in two seconds flat, if he wanted to, he could just change anything. He doesn't, he's chosen not to do that. Instead, he's chosen to bring his kingdom through you. And I'm going to tell you that as you get more vision from heaven and you begin to function in a different realm, this is how you're going to get your assignment. This is how you're going to put the boots to the ground in a military sense. This is how you're going to bring about the kingdom on planet earth. Everybody in here is familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. Every, almost every believer like has this memorized, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Like everybody knows this. But I'm going to suggest that maybe there's a difference between mental ascension and experiential knowledge. That knowing something in your mind, soul, spirit, Joe, uh, just a minute ago, Joe was talking about praise the Lord. And when he said it, I thought, oh, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. This is the, like when you read through your Psalms, when you read through Proverbs, this is the all my inmost being, everything I am, praise his holy name. Well, the, the, there's an experiential all my inmost being that can come to make a verse more than a head knowledge focus. And I'm going to tell you that many people, I think, are walking around where they may know Jeremiah 29, 11. Not anybody in this room. We're people of faith, but maybe somewhere else in a different church or something. Maybe it's your neighbor. It's definitely not you. I assure you it's not you. But so sometimes people are actually expecting bad. People are walking around like, Man, when's the next bad thing going to come? When's the next tragedy going to come? When's the next market crash going to come? When's, the, when's my car going to break down? Oh, I'm probably going to get another flat tire today. You know, this is how they walk around. Now, they may know in their mind, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, the plans he has for you, they're not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. They may know that. But maybe in their inmost being, maybe they actually have a different set of thought processes that occur that don't correlate with what the Word of God says about you. Okay? And so, what I'm going to share with you is, I think that God is endeavoring to... He has a vision for you, and He has a vision for your life, and He has a mission to accomplish one in you, and then as he accomplishes it in you and through you, then it translates into what he does in mankind and in the kingdom. Okay? And I think that he's in the place right now where he is trying to take this body and he's trying to say, I have a vision for you, but I'm not 100% sure your faith is yet uh, at the place it needs to be to accomplish all that I have for you. Um, I'm going to give you a little backstory on something, and this is going to be out of 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 10, and they'll put this up in a minute. Um, let me give you the backstory to this first. Most of you guys know the story of Jonathan and David and Saul, right? You had King Saul. Uh, basically, Saul's son is Jonathan, 
at this point in time when this is written, um, King David is on the throne. He's leading the people, and it's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time for the people of God. And his best bro, his, his uh, confidant, his helper, uh, somebody who he has a, uh, like a kindred spirit connection with till the day they die is Jonathan. Jonathan happens to be the son of Saul. Saul's trying to kill David, right? You guys know the backstory. Um, through all of this, through all of this, Jonathan ends up having a son. The son's name is Mephibosheth. And anyhow, this young boy, uh, when he was about five, he, he basically was being, they were trying to get somewhere real fast or kind of flee, if you will. And in the process of, of being taken and, and trying to flee, uh, he, he was injured by the person that was trying to caregive for him when he was five, and he had an accident, and he, he was crippled, okay? That's the backstory. So this is a bit of a long verse, um, so bear with me as I read it. Then David said, Is there anyone yet left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who's crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him to the house of Machir, the, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell at his face, and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, here's your servant. David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land your grandfather Saul had, and you will eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself. What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? That was his response, Mephibosheth's. Then the king then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and all of his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your servants and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. You shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. You might be thinking, what am I doing talking about some Old Testament uh, scripture that had to do with Jonathan, David, Mephibosheth, and Saul? I'm going to tell you that this scripture actually is an embodiment. It's a type. It's a shadow. It's a parallel of your heavenly Father and Jesus and you. You know that? You guys know that? Hey, I don't know. That's what this is. That's, 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 that's what this is about. And so what really what it comes down to is because of the love that David had in his, in his just intense, uh, I'm going to call it connection and devotion to Jonathan, 
David had made a promise, and the promise was, as long as I'm alive and I'm the king, I'm going to take care of you and your whole household. Do you know that's not a word for, that's not a word for Jonathan. That's a word for you. I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to take care of your whole household. And with the same love that the Father has towards Jesus is the same way that he's going to take care of you and your whole household and show his kindness to you. Is there any yet left in the lineage of Jonathan that I may show him my kindness? Is there any yet left in the lineage of Jesus that I may yet show, him, show them my kindness? This is the Father's voice to you. Does this make sense? And so what I'm going to share with you is that that love of David towards Jonathan caused David to go out. He heard through the grapevine, hey, this guy's got a kid still alive. I didn't know that. And he goes out and he gets the crippled boy, brings him back. He's a, well, anyhow, he's not a boy at this point, but he's young. He brings him back. He brings him into the king's palace. And you know what he says? I'm going to show you my kindness. And you know what he also said? He said, you're going to eat and dine regularly at the king's table. I'm going to tell you that I think that the Lord is, is, is calling every one of his children to come and dine and to come and eat Not on occasion, not once or twice, not at a church service sometime, not at a conference. He's calling you to come and dine regularly, daily, moment by moment, and hour by hour. And you know the only thing? The only thing that can allow for you to not be at the king's table is your perspective on yourself. What was, what was Mephibosheth's response? I can, it's too many things. I don't want to go back and try and find it. But his response was, if you can find it back there, put it up there. He's going to say, who me? I'm like a dead dog. I realize we're in a culture today. I was on an airplane a couple of months ago. And when I was on the airplane, there was somebody, and I know everybody loves their dogs, and I like animals. I do. Sophia, I love your cat. I love your cat, Sophia. We're just working on, we're going to do deliverance on her. She doesn't know how to love people yet. So, um, yeah, we have some turmoil in our house over this cat. But anyhow, but we love Sophia, so we tolerate the cat. Uh, so... I'm on the airplane, this person picks their cat or their dog out of their thing, and they need to actually walk them up and down the aisles the entire flight for two hours and 30 minutes. And I realize we're in a day and age where that's normal, like everybody does that, it's a, it, you know, whatever. But this, in this day and age, the, uh, dogs are considered low. You don't carry them around with you, you don't carry it, take them with you everywhere. They're considered not great. And he's saying, who am I that you should consider a, a, a dead, smelly, icky, 
no value, dog like me. Do you realize that's the response when an invitation to come and dine at the king's table happened? And the problem here is that the response is coming out of the, the Mephibosheth's perspective on who he is versus Mephibosheth's understanding of how much David loves Jonathan. And how when he made a commitment to Jonathan, that commitment said, even though, Jonathan, you're dead now, doesn't matter. I'm going to show my kindness to all of your whole house. Even if you're gone and you still have offspring left, I'm going to show that kindness to your offspring. And I'm going to draw your offspring to my table. And you're going to come and eat with me and dine with me regularly. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you that um, there's too much here to get into. But um, So Mephibosheth was living in the land of Lodabar. Okay? Do, um, and there's too much to get into with this for the sake of time. But the land of Lodabar, if you were to go back and look at what that means, means the land of barrenness. The land of barrenness. So you've got this person who lives in the land of barrenness. <laughs> Joe, you were talking about an exchange. Um, you have somebody living in the land of barrenness. And the king has actually sent an entourage to come get you. And to pull you up to the palace and to the table. And yet the response is, but I'm just a dead dog. I have no value. I have no worth. Woe is me. I don't have this and I can't do that. That's the, that's the response of Mephibosheth. And I'm going to tell you that um, the land of barrenness, there's a reason why that land's called Lodabar. And I'm going to tell you that the Lord is calling every one of his children out of the land of barrenness and to the king's table. And I'm also going to tell you that there's... Yeah, you should... You sh yes, yes. This is for you, and it's for me. It's for you and me. Like, if we knew how awesome the king's table was, do you know what we would do? We wouldn't just come for one meal. You couldn't get me out of that house. I'd come and stink and, you know, I'd bolt myself to the table, and I'd hold on for dear... I'd white-knuckle that table, and you wouldn't be able to get me to leave. If it's that good... This is the land of flowing with milk and honey. It's the land that had the grapes too big and the stuff too big for, for the people to carry. It's the land that, that Joshua and Caleb spoke of. It's the land that the ten didn't see. That's what, this, that's what the king's table is. And my question is, if, so what kind of perspective do we have towards ourselves? And I'm going to tell you that the answer to this question is going to impact. You, you think I'm talking about the king's table and Mephibosheth. And the reason I'm talking about this is because this has everything to do with God accomplishing his, his vision for you. The plan that he has for you. Like he has a kingdom work to do through you. And he can't do it if you think you're from the land of Lodabar. 
If you're from a land of desolation and barrenness and you don't know you're supposed to be at the king's table, he can have a calling for you and he can have a vision for you, but the portholes open and you don't see it. And we're down here walking around in the dark with no sunshine and we do, we're completely missing the call, the plan, the fulfillment that you'll get on the other end of walking out your vision and your calling. And it's all tied to how you see yourself and who you are and this, this love that God has for you that's so ridiculous that we see ourselves as a dead dog and he's saying, no, come to my table and don't leave it. The promise of the king's table is that you are taken care of by the king till the day you die or the king is no longer in power. King David, eventually his power came to an end. I'm going to tell you that's not what this is about though. King Jesus, his reign is never ending. So your time, so like when is your time done at the table? Never. It's an eternal. You already have it. It's progressing. You'll get it for all eternity. It, it doesn't end. It's from glory to glory. It gets better. Do you know God's better than you know? He's better than you know, and he's better than I know. And every year I realize he's even better than I knew. And it's not that he's changing. <laughs> it's that my mind is needing to be renewed don't be conformed to the image of this world and be afraid of a coronavirus, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is being washed, which is the word of God. And you start to take, we think far too much about what we can't do and not enough about the one who's in you. That's the problem is we're, we're focused on ourselves. You, you, you know, we have this whole concept of minimalist thinking going on, and I just need a little bit, and my carbon footprint, and blah, blah, blah. I only want to do whatever. And I'm going to tell you that, you know what? If all I can do is barely get by myself, I'm, I hopefully I'm so, I didn't offend somebody in here, but probably did. But uh, we'll talk about offense in a minute. Um, but here, here's what I'm going to tell you. If I am only trying to get by, and I'm so minimalist in my thinking, it very well might be that my vision is really little. And it really might be that I'm actually more selfish because I have a small mindset in my thinking and I'm in this minimalist thing. What do you mean small, small? Yeah, well, if I can't take care of my wife and my children, how am I gonna take care of a legacy of people after me? How am I gonna be able to do something for the widow, the orphan, the other? It, the answer is it's not gonna happen apart from my abundance. And so I'm gonna tell you that uh, I'm going to tell you that I think that the Lord uh, wants bigger vision for you. And it might be that your thinking needs to be less minimal and more God-oriented because maybe your life actually has nothing to do with you. Maybe that's the challenge. Maybe we're just looking at us all the time. And that's why we only think we need so much. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, our life isn't about us. You're dead to yourself. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives within you. You've been bought with a price. It ain't your gig. You don't get to choose. What if he says, I want you to have more? Are you in disagreement with him? C.S. Lewis said, the highest form of pride is the ability, inability to receive. I'm going to say that again. I heard this a long time ago, and I wrote it down because I was like, oh, this is really good. 
the C.S. Lewis. You're reading a C.S. Lewis book right now, Claire. Um, the highest form of pride is the inability to receive. I'm going to say that one more time. The highest form of pride is the inability to receive. Because who am I thinking about? Me, 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 me. Me. I want to challenge you that you need to see yourself. You were, we've been on a theme of royalty for a long period of time, whether it's the book that we read over the fast, whether it's uh, people who've come and preached here at the summit. Joe was just talking about you are a king and priest of the Most High. You have a royal garment that's on you. You're the king's kids. You're a co-laborer. You're a co-heir. This is who you are. And I'm going to share with you that to walk in royalty requires a daily mind renewal, especially depending upon your history. What do I mean by your history? Some of you grew up with wonderful parents, and they just built you up and encouraged you and told you you could do anything. Maybe some of you had terrible parents. You, they did their best, but like they told you you'd never amount to much. Joe, you know, you've given your testimony, and, you know, there are people, um, there's a lot of people where maybe your coaches said, you, you, you stink, you'll never make the team, you're not good enough. Rarely, when God is calling his children into greatness, is their mind prepared for what he has for them to do. Your mind cannot fathom the riches that God has planned for you in advance. And I'm going to tell you that there's voices that go on all day long. And some of them are the voice of God and the Holy Spirit and His Word and His promises over you. Some are going to be the voice of the accuser of the brethren, accusing you, you you're, you're not good enough, and you screwed that one up, and you'll never get another opportunity to make that right. And Man, you, you, you really missed the ball there. Oh, you're so wicked. That's the accuser of the brethren. There's other voices too. You know, sometimes there could be even the voice of a believer who maybe is wounded and maybe who might actually be uh, not understanding that they have a place at the king's table and maybe they actually have more of an orphan spirit to them uh, and they don't know who they are in Christ. And maybe they actually say things to you that sound a lot like the accuser does. And I'm going to tell you that in your life, you're going to hear all kinds of voices, a bunch of them, every day, 24-7. And your job is one thing. You listen to the one voice, and you absolutely silence the rest. If it's the believer who's building you up, and they have a word for you, and it's, and it's edifying, and it's all wonderful, but if it's not... Silence. You silence it. You don't even let that in your ear for a second. Um, I'm going to tell you a brief story. My, uh, she's not in here, so I can talk about her. But so most of you know my daughter, Faith. Faith is hilarious. And she's also, she's like super sweet. She's like her mom. She's super sweet and super cute. 
But I'm telling you, this girl, every time when she walks into a room, she like kind of like trots in and she may do a twirl and, and she may, she may, uh, she like has a way of entering a room. And uh, she, I'm convinced in her head, there's music playing and it's like, ah, 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 I'm here. And, and I'm convinced when she walks into a room, she thinks everybody in the room has been waiting for her and that they all are her best friend. And I'm going to tell you that um, that's probably a good thing. And when I say probably a good thing, and I think part of it's because she is so loved by her brothers and sisters. Chase, it was so cute when you were last week when you're throwing her up in the pool and pushing her around in her floaty. You know, she has her siblings wrapped around her finger. And she has her mom and dad that just love her and compliment her and tell her how beautiful and smart and witty she is. She, all she knows is, here I am, the princess has arrived. And, and I'm going to tell you that not all of us have grown up in that, in that scenario. And if you walk into a room, here's a question to ask yourself. Do you walk in the room thinking, Everyone here is my friend. They're glad to see me. Or do you walk in thinking, I don't fit in anywhere? I don't think, I don't think it would have made any difference whether I showed up today or not. There's a mind shift with an orphan's thinking and a son and daughter's thinking, with royal thinking. And it's, it's every day, 24-7, by the minute. And it's a chance for you to choose which voice you listen to. And I'm going to tell you that you have a shepherd, and he's really good. And uh, he says, you hear his voice, and the voice of another you will not listen to. And so I'm affirming that. Don't listen to the voice of another other than your good shepherd. Do you frequently feel left out? Do you feel like you don't fit in? Does it seem like everywhere you go, somebody is offending you? These are questions. Offense is often a sign of inferior thinking. When I say inferior, I think I'm talking low thinking. I'm not talking the vision and the thinking that's from above, that comes through the porthole, that's at the right hand of the Father and that's seated in heavenly realms. So, um, a number of years ago, I was down here. I was in the front row. It was probably three years ago. I was, worship was going on. I don't remember if it was a Sunday morning, if it was a worship night. I don't know what it was. But I, I, was, I just remember I was here. And I heard the Lord tell me, and when I say tell me, like speak to me, still small voice. And I heard him, I just heard the word, uh, I heard the word El Presidente. And I thought, oh, that's weird. And then, um, and then I heard, and then I heard it again, and I heard it again, and I heard it again. I thought it was weird. I'm like, okay, whatever. And um, so, what I'm going to share with you is that, uh, and so I'll have to do a five minute regress and explain something. So, the the as a job, I have this thing that I do where there's a small group of doctors who does this thing, and there's about give or take a little bit, there's about 250 of them in the world that do this thing. And then there are 24 that are board certified. I'm one of those. And then what happened is, is that uh, 
the person who mentored me said, hey, listen, I think you're the guy that needs to come in and take over the leading of this this thing. You're supposed to be the chairman of certification and coach the whole rest of the all the other doctors. And I thought, at the time, I was like, oh, I, I was really honored that he asked me that and uh, thought about it a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's my call. So, And it's one of those things where you do it, and it's like there's no end to it. There's only ever been in... 50-something years, there's only ever been uh, three people who've done it other than me. And so he, the, my mentor said, I've been in practice for 43 years, you're the guy. So I took this responsibility on a number of years ago, okay? So I'm just, I'm, I have to tell you the backstory or it won't make sense where I'm going. So um, I've got a lot of things going on like all of you do in life, and life is really full and life is really busy. And so um, what happened is, is that uh, this, there's a research arm of these group of doctors that does what we do, and uh, same kind of a thing. It's kind of like the Supreme Court. Uh, you, 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 when you get on this thing, you're on for life, either until you die or until you want off. And I've been on that board for a long period of time, and uh, eventually all the people called me and said, hey, listen, uh, there's, again, there's only been a f- like four people or five people that have ever done it and over all these decades, and we think you're the guy to do it. Like we've all talked and we just see that there's nobody else. You're the person. And I'm going to tell you that initially my response was, no way. I don't want to do that. I've got so many stinking things going on already. Like I can't manage all the stuff I got. Why would I want to take on more responsibility? This is like going to kill me. And so, um, I, and I told the person who was not a believer, I said, I'll meditate and pray about it. They're not a believer. That's what I told them. Called him three days later, I consulted the Lord, and he told me that's what that word was about. You, it, took, it took a while for it to come to pass, but when he said El Presidente, it wasn't politics. It was the, being the president of this research board. And so, long story short is, is that I'm going to tell you that, uh, so I grew up, some of you know my testimony, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I made fun of Christian kids. I would bully Christian kids. We would make fun of them. When I was 23, I got radically saved. I used to have long hair, do drugs. Yeah, some of you who know me are like, what? Most of you know my testimony, though. But I grew up in, a, in not a Christian household. Um, I love my father. I got to, so some of you know my father because you got to see him attending church here for about a year. My father got radically saved and I got to pray with him when he was 70, I think one, to receive Jesus. And he's in heaven now. I'm going to tell you though, as much as I saw a Malachi restoration of relationship between the father and the son in the last year of his life, I'm going to tell you that uh, my dad actually wasn't really a great guy. I honor him and respect him, but like he, he drank about a half gallon a day of, of whiskey. I watched him punch my brother. My dad was a really big guy. I watched him punch my brother in the face as a kid and just clock him, knock him out. He was abusive mentally. He was abusive physically. Uh, he ended up killing his best friend. He went to jail. Um, like, I didn't grow up in, like, a healthy family scenario. If anything, uh, I kind of had one of those family scenarios where, like, you know, could, 
you know, you'll never amount to anything, Joe. This is the, you know, your testimony. Um, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was, this is my upbringing. It wasn't what faith is, uh, you know, when you walk in the room, I, I, anyhow, hearing, ah, 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 you know, that wasn't my upbringing. Mine was not, I love, I, I honor my parents, but uh, I'm not looking to repeat much of what I experienced. And so what I'm going to share with you is that depending upon how you grew up, what level of mind renewal and what voices you listen to might be an even more critical thing for you. Does that make sense? Because many of you grew up like I did in a very dysfunctional family with people who never had anything good to say about you. Maybe they hated you. Maybe they beat you. Maybe they punched you. You know? So, why am I telling you all of this? I'm telling you this because oftentimes the Lord's vision for you is big. Not oftentimes, all of the time. The Lord's vision for you is big. And what happens is that if we think we're nothing but a dead dog and, and we're, we have this Lodi bar thing, this land of barrenness that just chases us around and that's how we see ourselves, and we're offended by everybody and we never fit in and nobody likes us and, and the coronavirus is going to take me out and I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Um, the, all this kind of garbage, what happens is that we can choose to get up and leave this right here. The king's table. We can choose to get up and leave it, and we can choose to function where we're no longer uh, royalty. We're no longer a son and daughter of the Most High, but we're acting very much because we don't understand who we are, and we don't understand what was paid for us. The most precious blood of the Lamb was paid for you, and so your value is equal to the blood. And so, because that's the case, I want to tell you that unless you will get a revelation of who you are in Him, and you begin to get at the king's table and stay anchored down there, you will not get to fulfill the vision and plan he has for you. You want to know why? Because you won't receive it. You won't receive it. I'm going to tell you in the... So I, this group of doctors I was telling you about before, um, it, it, historically it's a very uh, atheistic group. There's some observant Jews, atheists. Uh, it's, it's, it's the opposite of Christianity. It does not look like a church at all. And I'm going to tell you that in my 25 years that has been part of it, we started doing, uh, so me and another guy, brother in, in Jesus, we were talking about it. We're like, man, we need Jesus in this organization badly. 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 We started hosting a prayer meeting during our five-day conferences. And initially, it was him and me and one other person. And we kept doing it. And it was probably six years ago we started that or something. Kept doing it. And you know what happened? We'll have these conferences. We'll have 200 doctors there. We had a conference recently where we had 200 doctors there. And we had 40 people in an early morning prayer meeting all asking for God to come and bring his kingdom into our group. You're not going to take on the presidency of something. You're not going to step into stuff he has for you, and the kingdom won't come if you don't say, I refuse to 
take on the name you were talking about, the name put on you, any name that was given to you before, I'm not taking that on. I'm the king's kid. I'm royalty. Um, and otherwise, what will happen is that God's trying to do something in you and through you, but he can't do it because you won't agree with him because we see ourselves as too lowly. Does that make sense? Walking with power in the kingdom requires a strong revelation of sonship. Do you realize before Jesus started his earthly... I'm going to say that again. Some of you look like you're writing that down. Walking with power in the kingdom requires a strong revelation of sonship. Do you guys realize that before Jesus started his earthly ministry, the father brought him off and basically spoke sweet words to him? This is my beloved son in whom I'm really, really, really well pleased. Did you know that's what he did? He hadn't started his ministry yet. Why do you think that is? He needed to know who he was. He needed to know that he was at the table. He needed to know his royalty for him to be able to walk out what he did because he didn't do it by being the God of heaven. He laid aside his mighty weight and power and became as a man, just like you and me. And he did the things he did by the anointing of the Spirit of God. And that's how you're to do the things that you're to do in the, in the calling that he has for you in accordance with the vision that he gives from above. Bigger vision involves saying what Mary said based on what the angel of the Lord said to her. What did she say? Be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. She looked at a bigger vision and she agreed with him. She, I'm sure she had trouble with that, right? And we do too. And I'm going to have the band come on up. Um, I'm going to tell you that if there's anything in here today, uh, I, I'm, I feel like I'm not doing justice to what it is that God's birthing in my heart. Because, like, this is, uh, I'm giving you a few minutes of something, and I'm going to tell you that uh, this is something, this, to, to express what, I, what I'm getting from him would be four weeks and that's, this is one day. But if, if what I'm hoping that you get out of this is that he loves you. Go ahead and start with something nice. Uh, <laughs> maybe the champion saw, I don't know. Whatever, whatever you think is good. I don't know. I trust you guys. Um, I has not seen. Ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. Is that me? That's not me. That must be one of you guys. 
the things that God has prepared for those that love him. He's got a ton of stuff prepared for you. This is out of Isaiah. Ephesians 2 says he has good works prepared in advance for you to do. And I'm going to tell you that it, the only way you're going to be able to rise up to the thing that he's calling you to bring the kingdom to in your sphere, in your way, in your circle, is going to be by your identity, by your capacity to stay anchored to the king's table, by your concept of who you are as a son or daughter, your identity, your son and daughtership. That's not a word probably, but your sonship, right? Your capacity of who you are as a child of the Most High. And whether or not you can accomplish the plan and the call and the vision that he's giving you is directly tied to this. Is directly tied to this, I assure you. I can assure you that every aspect in my life where I've seen kingdom come, it's first that he overcame this in my heart. You're not abandoned. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's what he says to you. That's what he says to you. He says, come and dine with me. Come, come into the palace. This is what the king is saying to you. And he paid something really steep as far as way of a price for that to happen. And you know, he's not actually happy if you don't stay at the table. If you're not at the table 24 seven, do you realize he's actually not happy? It, it actually like makes him cry because he bought something and he paid for something and to not have you operating in the fullness of what that thing is. Oh, it's, it's, it's like he bought something for you, but you didn't get it. You didn't receive it. And we don't wanna be prideful. Right? The highest form of pride is the inability to receive. So, Lord, just let us receive, Lord. Let us receive who we are, how much you love us. Lord, hmm. I want you to close your eyes for a second for me. Everybody in here, please close your eyes. I want you to, I want you to have a picture of something. And I want you to picture that there's a, a, a robe, a gown, if you will. And it's got the richest, deepest royal color for you, if that's purple or blue. And that there's a nice fluffy, almost like a, a faux fur neck piece around it. Like some faux fur wrist pieces. Like something really like out of a Disney character movie. I want you to envision that this robe is on you. And it sits over your shoulders. And it covers you. And now pretend you're looking in a mirror. And I want you to see yourself with this robe on you. It's a robe of royalty. It says you're regal. It says that the one who paid for you and bought you put it on you and nobody can take it off. It's a hundred percent, it's like a full-time garment. You don't take it off at all and it doesn't get dirty so you can wear it all the time. No laundering needed. 
If we could, I'm going to have our uh, prayer team come on up the front. Those of you who are here to give a prophetic word or to pray, come up here in the front and just help us if you would. Accompanied with your royal robe, on top of your head, there's a crown. And it's got all kinds of jewels in it, like emeralds and rubies and sapphires and diamonds. And it's just beautiful. And it like glimmers. It's like gold. And it just shines like the light shines off of it. And I want you to take a picture of you right now in the mirror with your robe on and your crown on. And I want you to firmly seal that picture on the front of your mind. And I want every word that comes out of your mouth to be 100% congruent. I want every word that comes out of your mouth and I want every thought in your mind, the, 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 the thoughts you have in your mind, I want them to be 100% congruent. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the image of the world, but be conformed. Yeah, by the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, con, not, not world stuff. Transforming your mind right now to be in line with the picture of you with the crown and the robe. And Lord, we just, we just say, we speak a word of congruency in word, in deed, in, the, in, in, our, in our emotions, in the feelings that we have, in the thoughts that we have. There would be nothing other than us seeing ourselves in the way that we do right now. We declare that this picture that's on us is how we walk out every aspect of our existence from minute to minute and from day to day and from week to week and from month to month and from year to year and from glory to glory. <clears throat> if you're here in this place and you either feel uh, that number one, I think there's something that the Lord wants to give you a reorientation on. I think there's a renewal that's coming, and I think that uh, if you're here and you would say, you know, I just, I just don't think I'm walking uh, quite in the son or daughtership that I, I want to. I don't know if I have a full revelation of that yet. I, I feel like I have some time where I'm at the king's table, but then I, I'll, I'll go walk away from it, and and next thing you know, I'm not coming and dining with him. If that's you. I'm going to ask you come up front and I'm going to ask, we're going to, we're just going to pray for you. We're going to declare who the Lord says you are. And we're going to release, we're going to release a, a spirit of adoption by which you say, Abba, my father, he just loves me. He's so good. He just loves me. And I walk in it. If that's you, come on up front and get prayed for. 
you're in this room and you'd say, you know, I don't really, I just don't know what my calling is. I feel like maybe like the Lord gave me a vision or I don't have a vision or I'm just not sure what this whole thing's about. I'm gonna ask you to come forward and I'm gonna ask our friends that are here, we're gonna pray with you, we're gonna lay hands on you. Some of you are gonna get a prophetic word this morning. Some of you are gonna get a prophetic word for an insight on something the Lord has for you to do and a calling for you. Just that it would be a release of an awakening to what he has for you and his goodness that's coming on you in the land of the living. Lord, I just declare that every single person who's in this room within the sound of my voice, Lord, we just declare your goodness on them. We declare your mercy on them, that it comes on them, that it overtakes them every day. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Every day, every day. Lord, we commit ourselves to being people People that agree with your word, people that agree with your promises, people that agree with your good testimony about us, Lord. And we shake off abandonment. We shake off discouragement, Lord. We shake off feelings of neglect, Lord. We shake off offense, Lord. We shake off uh, not fitting in, Lord. We shake off uh, they don't like me. I don't fit in there. I don't know where I fit in. We shake these things off. My life is insignificant. We shake these thoughts off in the name of Jesus. We shake them off. We shake them off. We kick them off. We silence the voice of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we receive a spirit of adoption, Lord. We receive your love. We receive your goodness and your mercy. We say your mercies are new every single day. And we thank you and we give you praise. Our time is over. If you're in this room, I, I just feel like there's uh, I feel like there's a grace in here. I feel like there's a grace for healing. If you have a pain in your body, if you're afraid of the coronavirus, if you've got something going on with you, if you've got something going on with you, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that you be open, be vulnerable. Be open to stand up right now. And I want you to either, actually, I want you to come up front. And we want to lay hands on you. I believe that the Lord's going to heal some people here this morning. Because that's what a good father does. Do you know, uh, um, in scripture, healing's actually referred to as the children's bread. Did you know that? Healing's referred to as the children's bread. If you've got something going on in your body right now, uh, I want you to come up front. And whatever thing is ailing you, I want one of our prayer partners to put a hand on you in that area right now. And we're just going to declare some medicine over your body. God says that his word is like medicine. 
It brings health and healing to all of your flesh. Do you know what all of your flesh means? It means all. It doesn't mean a little bit of it. It doesn't mean part of it. It means all. Some of you in here, you've heard the word of the Lord. He says in Psalm 103, He will heal all of your diseases. He will crown you with love and kindness. He will deliver your life from the pit. He will crown your head. He will adorn you with a robe of righteousness, Lord. We just say that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in this room right now. We just say we're in agreement with Jehovah Rapha, my God. Even in, even in your name, you say you're a God of healing. You're, you're, you're a healing God. It's who you are. It's one of your attributes. It's one of your characteristics. We just lift up healing right now in the name of Jesus. And we just say, fresh fire, fresh wind, Spirit of God, come and move right now over the flesh of everybody in this room. And we say, uh, knees that have been painful, we command meniscus that's been torn and irritated and inflamed, uh, medial and collateral ligaments in the knee, we say, knee be healed in the name of Jesus. 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 Mm. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, surely Surely he took up your infirmities and carried your pains that by his stripes, Peter affirms this, by his stripes you have been healed and made whole. Surely is like not a weak word. Surely is like a super strong word. We just say surely he took up your infirmities and carried your pains. By his stripes you have been healed and made whole. You have been healed and made whole. You have been, have been, have been. That's a, uh, that's a past tense, past tense word. It's been appropriated for by the blood of the Lamb. It's been appropriated for by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jehovah Rapha. Thank you. You are my God who heals. We thank you for healing right now. Somebody has a problem in their eye. I just declare that your eye, the Lord is restoring healing to your eye. He says that the muscles that turn your eye both left and right, the muscles that turn your eye up and down, your vision right now, your optic nerve is being restored. Your optic nerve, your cranial nerve number two is being restored in the name of Jesus. We declare optic nerve being healed in the name of Jesus. And that what was cloudy and fuzzy and a problem and we couldn't control it like we wanted to before, we just declare that healing, healing is on you and it's not temporary, but he declares my gifts, uh, they're eternal. When I give you a gift, I don't take it away. When I give you a gift, you get to keep it. It's yours to keep. I don't, I'm not a, I, I don't give and, return, and, and ask for it back. It's yours forever. It's yours forever. It's yours forever. We rebuke viruses right now. Every virus, coronavirus, uh, flu bug, whatever it is, we just re we, we say you're nothing in the name of Jesus. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We say you have no power. You have no power over the people of God. We smash you. You're a bug. We just smash you like a bug. We say you have no influence. We declare immune system strong in the name of Jesus. We declare 
that every, every signal going to glands right now in our bodies, every signal going to glands is optimum, Lord. And with our glands perfectly functioning, we just declare that the immune system of everybody who is under the, the reach of my voice right now is ridiculously strong. Ridiculously strong, like everybody. But you won't get it. We just thank you for this, Lord. We thank you for strong immune responses. We thank you for strong, strong bodies. We thank you that with long life, you will satisfy us and show us your salvation. Long life. The only way to have long life is to have a healthy body. We declare healthy bodies and long life over every single person who's in this room right now. We just thank you that nothing can come against us. Nothing, nothing. We thank you and give you praise for who you are, for being a loving God. We quench all sickness and disease and we command it to go in the name of Jesus. And we say you have no, no right, no authority, no place, nothing. We kick you out and by the blood of the Lamb, we smash your head, sickness and disease. We declare that the triune salvation of God come to these people, body, soul, mind, spirit. All of it, Lord, body, soul, mind, spirit, all of it, Lord, we just declare, we declare the health and healing and goodness of God, and we declare, surely, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we thank you for what you did here today. We love you, Lord Jesus. We give a shout of praise, Lord.